Verse 34 says this, the Lord speaking, my covenant I will not break. Everyone say that with me. My covenant I will not break. That's God's promise to you this morning. He said, my covenant I will not break, nor will I alter the thing that is gone from my mouth. God says to you, I'm not going to break my covenant to you, and I will not change my word to you. Isn't that exciting? You and I are part of the covenant made by the blood of Jesus at the cross. The second reason we're going to receive the communion every week is because when we take communion, we are reminded of the day when the first Passover took place. and How God, through the blood of the Lamb, delivered the nation of Israel from the plagues of Egypt and from the judgment on the firstborn. And this covenant meal reminds us that the blood of the Lamb, which symbolically delivered the nation of Israel in Egypt, is the blood of Christ today that delivers us, not symbolically, but in reality, from every plague and from sin and from shame and from sorrow. Finally, we're going to take the communion meal because the Bible says that we do so in remembrance of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to take the communion in order to remember Him. Because at times like this, it's so easy to forget what matters. To forget because of fear and panic, anxiety and worry. But when we come to the communion meal this week and next week and in the weeks to come, we're going to be remembering that it is the Lord Jesus Christ who is our hope, our source, and our healer. And so I want to encourage you to prepare. If you are not prepared today, those of you who are in the parking lot, prepare next week. Those of you at home, do the same. We will be receiving the communion meal together at the end of this morning's message. And I want you to take this opportunity very seriously. Every person who is a member of the body of Christ has their opportunity to receive the communion meal. If you're not a member of the body of Christ, I encourage you to say yes to Jesus today. Make Him Lord of your life so that you too can enjoy the joy of being in fellowship with God. Now, if you found Exodus chapter 32, let us go to verse 25 in your Bible and read the word of Scripture. Exodus chapter 32, verse 25. Now, when Moses saw that the people were out of control, for Aaron had let them get out of control to be a derision among their enemies. Then Moses stood in the gate of the camp and said, Whoever is for the Lord, come to me. And all the sons of Levi gathered together to him. I want to share this morning from this passage of scripture on this subject, Who is on the Lord's side? Are you on the Lord's side this morning? If you're on the Lord's side, you have great hope this morning. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the word of God, which is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. I ask you to anoint my lips of clay to preach the word of the living God. And I ask you to anoint the hearing of this congregation, that together we might receive the word and rejoice. We ask this in Jesus' name, and the church said, Amen. 
Someone asked Abraham Lincoln in the midst of the American Civil War, Mr. President, do you believe that God is on our side? Of course, the nation was greatly divided because of the conflict of the Civil War. There was the North and the South, the blue and the gray, as it were. And there was a sense that God had to be on the side of the Union. Of course, he had to be on the side of the American states who desired to free the slaves. But Lincoln's answer was very significant, and it's very important for us this morning. He said, it does not concern me whether God is on our side or not. The important question is whether or not we are on God's side. Friend, that is the question that matters for America in this crisis as well. Are we on the Lord's side? Do you realize that there are only two sides that you and I can be on? There are many who would try to divide us by race, by religion, maybe even by our uh, political parties. But the reality is, friend, that you are either on the side of God or you're not. When you understand the biblical context and the biblical worldview, there is only good and evil, only light and darkness, only God or the devil, only one or the other. The Bible says you cannot serve two masters. There is no neutral position in this question or in any hour of our history. No man can serve God in one way and reject him in the other. And so this morning, the question is before us. Who is on the Lord's side? Now the chapter of, of Exodus, which I'm reading from, is fairly well known because it is the story of the golden calf. Many of you perhaps have heard or read this story, and uh, you know a little bit about it. But basically, God had brought Israel out of Egypt through a mighty and marvelous deliverance. They had seen him part the Red Sea. He had brought them out by a deliverance that would astound the ages. And now they were at the foothills of the, of the uh, Mount Sinai. Moses went up into the mountain for 40 days. And while he was there, he was hearing uh, the voice of God, he was in the presence of God, and he was receiving the Ten Commandments as well as the law that we call the law of Moses. While he is up there, the people become restless back on the ground, and they begin to murmur and complain, and they tell Aaron, build us a God. And Aaron builds them a calf made of gold. And so the scripture tells us that God, when he sees this, he tells Moses, and it's a very, uh, seems to me, humorous exchange when you read about it in the, uh, in the book of Exodus, because God says to Moses, get out of the way, I'm going to go down there and destroy this nation, and I'm going to make you into a nation instead. And Moses gets before God and says, no, 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 no. He says, hold up. These are the people that you brought out of Egypt. You have, uh, kept, you have to keep your word to them. And he intercedes on behalf of the nation of Israel uh, who had gone into idolatry. And God relents his anger. 
But then Moses goes down, and then Moses sees what's going on, and now Moses gets mad, and Moses says, get out of my way. I'm going to kill this people. So now you have the prophet, and uh, he is going to respond to this very critical situation. But the Bible tells us how the nation of Israel sinned. Three things are mentioned in the book of Exodus. One, it says they had corrupted themselves. They had allowed their morality to become stained. They had begun to call what was bad or evil good. And begun to call what was evil uh, right. They had begun to give assent to the things that God rejected. Friends, this is true of our nation and it's true of the nations of the world. We have corrupted ourselves. We have corrupted our morality. We've exchanged what is good and right for what is not good and what is not right. And this is a sin against a holy God. The next thing they did was that the Bible said they quickly turned aside from the way. They left the path that God had charted for them. They did so quickly, abandoned the, the truth, and they abandoned the way that led to life, the way that led to deliverance. This is true for us today. We've abandoned the way that leads to life. We've abandoned the, the path that leads to, to salvation. Jesus said, broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many there be that find it, but small is the gate, and narrow is the way that leads to life. And few there be that find it. This morning, are you on the path that leads to life? Have you gone astray? Have you gone astray in your heart from loving and serving the living God? The Bible tells us in the book of Jeremiah, Stand in the way and ask for the old path, for the good way, and walk therein. But the people said, we will not walk therein. Oh friend, today God is standing at the crossroads of America, saying, this is the right way. Turn to me and be saved, because I am God, and there is no other. And if you will open your heart to him, he will save you, and he'll give you life. The third thing they did was they made a molten calf. They made an idol of gold. They raised up a god, little g god, against the god of heaven. Listen, friends. The idolatry in America is much the same. America has its golden calf as well. We have the golden calf of financial uh, stability and the economy. The golden calf of our prosperity. Many have made a golden calf of their house, their car, their clothes, their wealth, their education. And we are all perhaps in some way or another guilty of having put something before the living God. This is a sin against God. And God is calling us today to reconsider and to turn to Him. Listen, friends. The golden calf could not heal. The golden calf could not deliver. The golden calf can still do nothing for you today. The only one that can do that which you and I need today is the Lord Jesus Christ. Has America turned against God? Has America sinned against God? Yes. Yes, we have. And I say we because I am one of you. Has the church sinned against God? Yes. Yes, we have. 
But today God has a question for us. This is the beauty of this story because in the middle of this catastrophic rebellion against God, the prophet Moses rises up and says, Who is on the Lord's side? Come to me. Well, all of that people was against God at that moment. They were all worshiping the golden calf. And yet God gives them a golden opportunity. He gives them an invitation to come to Him. Oh, friend, do you see in this the grace of God this morning? That God says to you and I that if we've rejected Him and we've abandoned our, our path that leads to Him, that He says, if you'll just come to me, you can be on my side and you can be restored. You can be healed. You can be rebuilt. America, this morning, God has a question for you. Sir, ma'am, God has a question for you. Each of you this morning, are you on the Lord's side? Is there any area of your life where you have put him aside this morning? I ask you to consider the invitation of God's grace. He says to you, come to me. All these words have, have uh, echoed throughout the ages because they are the words of Jesus. He said, come unto me, all ye who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come unto me is an open and free invitation to any man and any woman to say yes to Jesus. This invitation is available to you this morning because of the grace and love of God. God loves you, friend. He loves you more than you could ever love yourself. And he says to you this morning, come to me. Are you in sin? Come to me. Are you sick? Come to me. Are you worried and afraid? Come to me. Are you lost? Come to me. Are you, are you grappling in the darkness? Come to me. Jesus invites you to come, friend, because he is the healer of the soul. He is the renewer of the broken and the one that can make your life whole again. He is the one that can ra raise you up out of fear and set you on the firm foundation of faith and courage. And this morning, if you will come to him, he says to you, no one who ever comes to me will I under any circumstances turn away. What an invitation we have from God. He says, anybody that comes to me, I will under no circumstances turn him away. Can I tell you, friend, I have preached the gospel on six continents. I've preached the gospel in more than 30 countries around the world. I could not have done so except I believed that this invitation was for all men. Today, I bring to you the good news. There is a God who loves you. There is a, a Jesus who died on the cross for you. And he says to you, come to me. Out of every nation, tribe, and tongue. Out of every part of your past. Out of your shame and guilt. Out of your brokenness, loneliness, fear, depression, and despair. He says, come to me and I will give you rest. I will give you life. Will you turn to Jesus today? Will you make him Lord of your life? Who is on the Lord's side? Come to me. Now listen, verse 26 says... That the Levites gathered together to him. Now there are 12 tribes in the nation of Israel. But only one tribe 
joined Moses. Only one tribe took the Lord's side. I want you to see two things in this. First of all, I want you to notice that not everyone will come. No matter how great and gracious the invitation this morning, not everyone will come. Some will say, no, that's not for me. Others will say, no, I'll come later. Some will, will just ignore it altogether. But you, friend, you be the one that says yes. You be the one that says yes to Jesus that makes him the Lord of your life. The whole nation rejected the invitation, but one tribe, the tribe of Levite. The second thing that's fascinating about verse 26 is that the Levites were involved in the treachery. They were involved in the idolatry. They were the ones who built the golden calf. Kind of makes your jaw drop when you think that the very people who had done the sinning were now the ones who are going to be used by God to do the redeeming. Listen, friends. This is the good news of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. That he can take a sinner and in one minute, one moment, transform him out of death to life and cleanse him and make him whole again. If you're saved and you know it, say hallelujah and praise the Lord. In one moment, the Levites who had sinned against God became servants of the living God. And because they chose the Lord's side, they would become the tribe, the people that would have the opportunity for the rest of the period of the law to enter into the tabernacle, to offer sacrifices on the altar, to enter the holy place, and some of them even to enter into the holy of holies. My heart is filled with joy this morning as I consider the grace of God, the love of God, who says to you and I, though you are a lost, though you have broken my law, though you have departed my way, if you'll come to me, I'll bring you into the Holy of Holies. I'll give you access to my very presence. I'll give you life. Oh, friend, the fellowship that you and I can enjoy and do enjoy with God. Is no less than the gift of God's unmerited favor toward man. Who is on the Lord's side? Let him come to me. The Levites came to him. You say, Pastor, I can't come to God. I've sinned. I can't come to God. I've rebelled. I can't come to God. I have spoken against Him. I can't come to God. I have led my family astray. Today, you're the very one who can come. And God loves you so much, friend, that He gave you this opportunity. He's given the opportunity to this nation to turn to Him in our hour of need, in this crisis, at this present moment, this critical moment of decision. For you and I are standing at a critical moment of decision. The coronavirus, COVID-19, has given our nation an opportunity to stop, to reflect, to think, to pray, to seek God. Come to Him. He will heal you. Come to Him. He will save you. Now, verse 29 gives us two very important principles. What are you to do? Verse 29 of chapter 32 says, Dedicate yourself today to the Lord. 
dedicate yourself today to the Lord. God is looking for a consecrated people. A people who will pray before they make a decision. A people who will look to him before they look to any other. He's looking to a people who will give his word more weight than the newspaper or the media or Facebook. A people who will dedicate themselves to him. Listen, I want to encourage you and encourage you to, uh, I want to encourage you for being here and encourage you to still be here every Sunday because as long as we have this opportunity, we need to draw near to the house of prayer. We need to draw near to this place where you and I can meet with God. And you can meet Him in your living room, in your car, in your house, but there is an important habit that's formed when you and I assemble together. The Bible says, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together, as is the habit of some. And all the more, as you see the day approaching. That's in the book of Hebrews chapter 10. God says, don't forsake coming together. Now this morning, we can't come together the way we're used to. But we are together in spirit. And we are together here on these grounds which have been dedicated to the glory of God, to say to God, you're first in our life, you're first in our week, and you're first in our year, and you're first in all things. We're here because we don't want to get away from being in the house of prayer. That's a decision you have to make, to dedicate yourself to being diligent about your spiritual life, to opening your Bible and praying throughout the week and making God first in your life. What does Hebrews say? All the more as you see the day approaching. Can you look out on the horizon? Can you see the signs of our times? Can you recognize that these are not ordinary days? We're living in the days spoken of by Jesus. Days of alarm, days that signal the end of the church age. Friends, soon and very soon, Jesus will return for his church. And you and I will be caught away to be in the presence of our God. But until then, when we see these signs, we are to recognize these signs are a warning to the world. And they are a call to the saints to come near to God and to come near to each other. And encourage one another in this most holy faith. He says, dedicate yourself to the Lord. And then he says, that he may bless you. Do you recognize the connection here this morning? God says, if you will come to me and dedicate yourself to me, he says, I will bless you. If you don't, I can't. Look at, look at verse 29. He says, dedicate yourself to the Lord for every man against his son and against his brother in order that he may bestow a blessing upon you. I've shared this principle with you before and I'll share it with you again now. God cannot bless anything he's not Lord of. God will not bless anything he's not Lord of. For you see, if he were to bless something he's not Lord of, 
you and I would give the glory and the praise to the thing and not to him. And so he says to you and me, I want to bless you. And my blessing follows my lordship. Dedicate yourself to me in order that I may bless you. Oh, friend, what a principle this morning that God says before us. Do you want his blessing on your finances? Make him Lord in your finances. You want him bless his blessing on your home? Make him Lord in your home. Do you want his blessing on your health? Make him Lord of your health. You say, Pastor, can God bless me in the middle of a crisis? Can God bless me in the middle of a national emergency? Can God bless me in the middle of an economic crisis? My answer to you without reservation is yes, God can bless you in every season. He blessed the little widow who was down to her last meal. You remember her because I've been preaching about her all year. She had her last handful of bread and she said, I'm going to eat it and then I'm going to die. Me and my son. But God blessed her in her famine. Breakthrough visited her house. In the midst of a famine, in the midst of a crisis, Breakthrough visited her house, and I assure you, Breakthrough will visit your house this year. Come on, Kingsway Church. We have trusted in God. He is our source. God can bless you in any economy. He can bless you in any crisis. He can bless you with good health and peace at home. And peace in your finances. And his blessing follows his lordship. And so if this morning Jesus is lord of your life. Take the panic, the fear, the anxiety, the worry and just throw it out the car window. Or throw it out the house's front door. And put your trust in God. Because he's a good God. He's a faithful God. And he will see us through. And he will bring blessing out of heaven itself. In order that we might see his good hand. And recognize his favor. And his love. Father I thank you this morning. For this sacred invitation. You said come unto me. We have come. This morning. We'll come again and again and again because you are our only hope. And I pray for anyone within the sound of my voice, anyone watching or listening, that they would hear the invitation not from this preacher but from the Spirit of God. That they would say yes to you in their heart. Friend, if you don't know Jesus today, if you don't know the forgiveness of your sins, if you don't know the peace of God, it's yours for the having and for the taking. The Bible says if you will confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's just that simple. And so I want to lead you in a prayer this morning. All throughout this congregation and those of you online, if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, I want you to say these words with me. Just say, Lord Jesus... I confess that I have sinned against God. 
and I am worthy of judgment. But this morning I fall upon your mercy. And I ask you to forgive me of my sin. I ask you to come into my life and take control. Become Lord of my heart. And let my life be filled from this day forward with the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. I thank you for your forgiveness. I receive it by faith in Jesus' name. I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. I believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead. And by faith this morning, I am saved. Friend, if you prayed that prayer and you sense this morning that you have made a eternal decision with God, I want you to contact Kingsway Church so that we might encourage you in your walk of faith and so that you might know Jesus more and more every day.